Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, uh, my name is Chad. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'm so glad that you made the decision to get here tonight. This is uh, somebody that I talk about a lot from the stage, but maybe some of y'all haven't got to meet my wife in person, but this is Chelsea Glover. Yeah. Good evening. And uh, we were thinking about holding hands all night, like in an awkward way, like in the video. Anyway, so we started this series off with this couple named Jordan and Sasha, and they got to share part of their story. And they blended music because they're musicians, and they just released their record last week, had a great turnout for them. And, and so we thought it would be appropriate as we continue this series just to have a, another couple kind of share their story. We have some music that we're going to share with you all tonight. I my recorder. It, like the yeah, is that play okay? Titanic theme yeah. song on that? That'd be nice. Anyway, <laughs> near far. Anyway, so um, we're going to share a part of our story tonight. And one of the things that we want to do is we just want to um, share with you guys some things that we've uh, learned the hard way. You know, there's this thing called dummy tax that we all pay. But we have said here at Paradigm that we want to be people that learn and then live. Every one of us lives and learns. But we want to be people that learn some things and then we can live. And when it comes to romantic relationships and you trying to navigate the terrain that is, <laughs> that is like booby-trapped and minefield called dating in this era, uh, it, it's really, really difficult. And there's a lot, of difficulty thing, a lot of difficulties that you're going to have to navigate. And so tonight, we're going to share part of our story. And, um, and so um, we've been dating for like... 17, 17 years. years, yeah. So we're about to celebrate 15 years of marriage. We were together for two years before we got married, and uh, and uh, we we still like to go on. We have a date coming up this this Friday. We're going on a date Friday morning. Wait, I, I, lo- I love you so much. It's gonna be, it's <laughs> love gonna you be more. Yeah, love whatever. You more. So, um, so anyway. We've been dating since back in the day. We thought it'd be fun to show a few photos of when we were dating back in the day. This is, we're official right here. <laughs> That's me on the right. This and, is at a uh, museum. Yeah, go to the next one. Um, so, yeah, sunset. That's, that's, that's nice. a real sunset. Okay, it's next beautiful. One, next one. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is what you do. You, you go on a canoe trip. This was before the notebook, though. All right? And you so pretend that you're tired and he just canoes you around. Um, that's <laughs> I was, Chelsea. I was at left. a football game. Yeah. I was playing. He was supporting me. Yeah. It's my J.J. Watt look. Anyway, next photo. Yeah. And, we yeah. like to do crafts. Well, I like to do crafts. He does them with me. I do. It's so fun. Um, so in all of those photos, we were like official. Like I had worked up the courage and I had asked Chelsea, will you be my girlfriend? We put a title on it. And, uh, but um, don't let those photos deceive you uh, because it took us a little bit of time to get to the official status. And so what, what kind of tell us about that a little bit. It all began. His junior year of college. My senior year of college, locks were flowing. He didn't, he had short hair. He probably had buzzed hair then. Um, but he started, long story short, we kind of met through my family. And then he started calling me once a week when, when I was in college, we were long distance. And I'm like, wow, this, this guy's calling me once a week. Not quite sure why. And then he invited me down to, he was playing don't college. Tell, don't, you don't have to tell that story. Well, we're putting it all out no, here tonight. If, if you brought me up on stage. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So anyways, he invites me to come watch his football game and I drive down there, there's a dance afterwards and he doesn't even dance with me. And I know, can you believe that? So I left this whole weekend. I was trying to guard your heart. I know, I I went down there just all happy and excited and then I left. I didn't want to show you everything on the, you know. I'm like a zero. I was so confused. 
But then we had the DTR, and well, you asked me out. Let's I asked be, let's him be out. Clear. Okay. And then well, no, I just you, you I asked ask for clarity. I ask asked for clarity. Yeah. I did do that. Chad's grown a ton in his leadership skills. This was junior college Chad. Well, he yeah. didn't have something like paradigm to tell y'all how to date. Yeah. yeah, that was my excuse. I know. I mean, y'all got it going all on. Right, so let me this. just cut you off. All right, listen <laughs> up. All right. So here's here's what you need to get. First of all, we're up here on the stage. That by no means means that we have done everything perfect. And that by no means means that we um, are the, the shining example of what you should do in every circumstance. But we have learned some things of what not to do. I was a coward, all right, guys? And so here's what I would tell you guys. Work up the courage and be clear. And that's what good leaders do. I was not a good leader. That's why I was like throwing more game at Chelsea than a Nintendo, but I was too, correct, you know, too cowardly to even ask her, hey, you know, would you be my girlfriend? And she had to take the initiative and ask me, what are we? And then I like stammered over my words and then I took some time and we, we got it figured out. We We're got it figured out. He quit playing games with my so, heart and now we've yeah. been and, going. And, and so as you, as you journey with us tonight, we are people that are just a little bit ahead of the game than most of you. And we've, we, we are people that are still needing God's grace. Um, our marriage is by no means perfect but we have learned some things along the way that we want to share with you tonight. And we're continuing this series called Good for My Soul. And we want to help you guys date in a way that is going to be good for your soul. And so we're going to spell the word soul tonight. All right, if you're taking notes, you can just title this message date, dating, something like that. And if you're a journey, if you're tracking with us trying to take notes, uh, we're going to be a little bit all over the place. Um, we do have a Bible app called the YouVersion Bible app, and we post all of our sermon notes on that digital platform that you can navigate and find on your own. And just you know, look somebody for a lanyard close by, they can help you find that. Or you can just take copious notes and try to follow along with us tonight. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna be talking about dating and wisdom in regard to relationships from the Bible. Now there's one big problem. The Bible never says the word date. <laughs> and so like when we go to the Bible, it, it was written in an era where people didn't date the way that we date. Like it doesn't tell you to swipe left or swipe, swipe right. It doesn't tell you to ask her out this way and then do this. It doesn't say like Moses and Zipporah, they went on a date to this coffee shop and it was amazing. It doesn't give us any of that. But here's what the Bible talks a lot about. It talks a lot about wisdom and it talks a lot about relationships. And just like the person you heard earlier said, man, we really are fired up about God's word. We believe that God's word, it, we don't believe this, it is the best-selling book of all time, and we believe that it is inspired by God Almighty, the one that made relationships, the one that made women, the one that made men, and he has wisdom for us available in his word that can help us be able to navigate relationships in general and especially dating relationships. And the reason why we're talking about this tonight is because the most important relationship that you have outside of your relationship with God is your spouse. And you want to make sure that you have as much wisdom when getting ready to make this decision as possible. So there's this guy named Paul. He's one of the greatest theologians in the Bible. And he wrote several letters to several groups of people just like us. And he says this to a group of people that there was people that were single in the audience. There were people that were married in the audience, old, young, that sort of thing. And he's just talking about what type of people should we roll with? What type of people should we link our lives with? And he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. He just says this, do not be unequally yoked. And he says, how can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? And it also says, I've got a different translation, and what communion has light with darkness? Do not be unequally yoked. This is like a, farmer, a farmer's metaphor. A yoke is a, it's a wooden instrument that would attach two animals and they would work together. And so what Paul's saying is like, be careful who you link your life with. 
He says, don't be unequally yoked. He's saying there are people that have committed to follow their life to Christ. And he's saying, don't do life consistently with people that have not made that same commitment. And so when it comes to you having wisdom in regard to who you're gonna date, man, the first thing we wanna share with you is that you've gotta have the right selection. You've gotta have the right selection. Point number one, selection. And so when he's talking about not being unequally yoked, he's saying you really wanna figure out direction and pace, all right? Like if, if we had a yoke up here, if we had this, uh, this instrument and we joined each other together, or let's say we just tied one of our legs together, me and Chelsea, and then I take off running this way and she takes off running that way, I'm a lot bigger, she's gonna go with me, but she's gonna get hurt along the way, all right? And if I take off going in a different direction, it's not going to end well for us. And so when it comes to direction, one of the things you wanna ask yourself is, is this person following Christ? If you're a Christian and you want to have a, a marriage someday that's gonna be honoring to the Lord, you need to select somebody that is already passionately following Jesus. Now, let me just kind of dispense with this idea. Because I already know there's probably somebody in the room um, and you're thinking this like, well, like he's got an eight pack and like I think he has a Bible verse somewhere on one of his like Facebook and even though he doesn't use that anymore, but Or maybe you know, a Bible verse tattoo. Do what? Maybe a Bible verse oh, tattoo. Oh, a Bible verse tattoo. Those are popular. Anyway, and so yeah, it's a Bible verse tattoo. Well, the reference, maybe not yeah. the whole verse. <laughs> yeah, the whole verse. Thou shalt not. Anyway, so he's putting out kind of some Christian things, but the more time you spent with him, you know that he's not a Christian, but you think, you know what? You know, he's a good guy. And I think that I can, I can share the hope that I have in Christ with him while we're dating. And, uh, and I'm gonna be like a missionary dating this guy and win him to Christ. And then we're gonna settle down, have lots of babies. It's gonna be amazing, right? And so I, that's not a good approach, all right? Missionary dating is not a good approach. Here, here's, here's what I would say. It's okay to share the gospel with somebody you're attracted to. That's okay. You don't have to become their boyfriend or girlfriend in order to win them to Christ. That's not a good approach. And so when it comes to selection, you wanna find somebody, this is what I did. Um, when God really got a hold of my life and I began to pray and said, God, would you send me a, a wife? Some of y'all have not because you asked not, holler. Anyway, so I started praying, God, would you send me a wife? And, um, and, and I said, God, would you, would you send me a woman? I had five things. One of the, the top of the list was that she would love you more than anything in the, in the world, and it would be obvious. Because I had been with some, I had been around some people that they said they loved God, they had the Bible verse tattoo, or they had the, the Bible verse on their bio, or they carried a Bible, but, but it, was like, it was like pulling teeth trying to hear about their relationship with Jesus. That every time I talked about Jesus around them, it, they acted like they didn't know the guy. But when I, when I met Chelsea, it was like, man, the word of God just fell out of her mouth. Like if I just was like, hey, I was reading the other day. She's like, in the Bible? You know, and then she starts telling me all the stuff she's reading in the Bible. And, and it, was, it was easy for me to see in her that she wasn't only claiming to be a Christian, but that she was madly in love with Jesus. And that thing that initially attracted me to her, that she loved Jesus in a way that like intimidated me and made me feel like, man, I don't know if I love Jesus the way that she does. That thing has continued to stoke the, the flames of my affection for my wife even to this day because she still passionately loves Jesus. And so when it comes to selection, think, okay, are they headed in that right direction? And then the other thing is, is are they at the right pace? So direction and pace, direction and pace. Because if they're not at the right pace, then uh, that, that could be problematic. So why don't you speak into that? All right, totally. And, and Chad and I, like when we walk, I am a speed walker. 
And and Chad is a what, what's the hurry? A what? chill walker. Yeah. He's just like enjoy life, slow down a little bit. We kind of can't walk cool and walk fast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he does have a cool walk. Yeah, I don't you, have a cool yeah. walk. Um, and so whenever we walk together at a store, I slow down. He speeds up a little so that we can walk together. We hold hands and I'm trying to hold a bit. But the point is that you have to walk at the same pace. And a lot of times if you're running hard after the Lord, but you start dating someone who is not running hard after the Lord, you're not gonna bring them up to your pace. Most of the time they're gonna bring you back to their pace. And, and when you're walking in a store, that's not a bad thing. But when you are doing this walk of following Jesus and running the race that God has called us to, then that, that's very bad for your faith. And so you've gotta be running at the same pace. And if you're not, then be friends, but you keep running after the Lord and he'll bring someone else that as you turn to the side, y'all are running along with each other. Yeah, well, let's say this, rarely do you make that awkward eye contact with somebody on the highway if you're driving at different speeds. You know what I'm talking about? You know, when you're like picking your nose and you look over, you're like, oh, <laughs> you know? And I mean, because you're both doing 85 down, you know, down the highway. And, uh, and it's like, oh, and in life, you want to find that person and then you just want to pull off, you know, and, and feel like, hey, we sh we're both running the same pace in the same direction. And we've made eye contact. There may be something here. And so you want to, the first thing is you got to have the right selection. If you're going to date wisely, then it narrows the playing field quite a bit when you say, man, I'm a follower of Christ and I'm only gonna date passionate followers of Christ. And that narrows it down quite a bit, but it's incredibly important that you, make the, that you eliminate the masses at the beginning so you don't waste your time chasing people that really aren't the people that you should be chasing. So Paul, he goes on to give some more instruction to another group of people at a different location, a place called Ephesus, booming city, much like Kansas City, and lots of people, all sorts of you know, walks of life, all sorts of cultures coming together, and they're trying to figure out how to like order their church. And so he's like, all right, you need to be really careful who you entrust your heart to when it comes to, you know, he's talking about leadership. And he's like, so when it comes to you selecting a leader, um, don't be like, man, that guy looks cool or that girl looks cool and let's follow them. You know, that, that's what Paul's saying. That's not a good idea. That's, that's foolish. He says, you need to be careful who you call leader. You need to be careful who you commit to follow and do life with. And so he's talking about leadership in 1 Timothy chapter five, but I wanna take the principle that Paul gives in 1 Timothy chapter five about who you should select as somebody that's gonna be the leader of your life to apply to who you, who you should select as somebody you should really date in life. So just want you read that verse for us. Sure, it says, never be in a hurry, which that convicts me because I feel like I'm in a hurry all the time. But never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. Do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Remember the sins of some people are obvious, leading them to certain judgment. But there are others whose sins will not be revealed until later. In the same way, the good deeds of some people are obvious and the good deeds done in secret will someday come to light. So point number two is observation. First one is, what is it? Uh, so, so, selection, okay. we got uh, seven two people, people out there. <laughs> I feel really good about this. This is, okay, really maybe we need a review. Yeah. Point one is? Okay, and uh, sorry, I homeschooled. Chelsea started school with our kids recently and so <laughs> yes, she's like in teacher school. mode. 
We normally don't do that here, okay? They're writing it down. All right. Point two is observation. And uh, we're making it an acrostic, so this is kind of random, but if you need a fun activity to do um, with your date, you can write their names down. And so like I can write Chad down and I make an acrostic and tell him how awesome he is according to his name. Fun date. Okay, or save that for later when you do go on a date. Um, observation. And so when we're looking at this verse, the first part, Never be in a hurry. And so there's no hurry to date. I feel like so many times we feel pressure because we see all of our friends, they're dating and they're getting engaged and getting married. And they're like, I feel so far behind because it's not going with my plan and this and this, so I gotta hurry up. And you don't ever enjoy anything. And you don't take the time to really observe the person that you're dating to really see if this is someone worth spending the rest of your life with because death till you part, no. That works, yeah. (laughs) What is it? Death till you do? Is that what you're thinking? Death till you do. That doesn't make sense. I don't know. Yeah, death till you part. Death till yeah. you part. Very formal. Um, yeah. Until anyways, death do us part. Till, until death do us part. Thank you. That, that was forgetting something in there. But anyways, don't be in a hurry. Take your time. Really observe the, the people that you're dating. The second part, it says, do not share in the sins of others. Wow. How easy is it when you're around someone who's sinning? especially in a dating relationship or any kind of relationship, if they're sinning, you sin, right? If someone's standing up on a chair and you're standing on the ground, is it easier to pull someone down or then pull you up? It's easier for them to pull you down. So it's so easy to fall into sin, but it says that we, we need to take the higher road, take the escape every time, don't share in the sin. And I, I would say this, that the, the terrain, like the temptation in a dating relationship is real. I mean, it is like, wow, me likey, me want to touch you. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I am like, and so I'm struggling with trying to figure out how do I guard all of these emotions and all of these things that I feel. And, and so that's why even in this observation phase, like we have this admonition for, from the word of God, Hey, Hey, guard yourself and, and, and anticipate when you start dating somebody, there's going to be temptations. Like you're going to want to turn things on that aren't meant to be turned off, you know, and, and you need to really guard yourself and watch out for those things. Don't be naive. Don't, don't be, don't be, don't kid yourself. What, what does it say? Totally. And then the, the next part in this verse, it says, keep yourself pure and purity. Um, this is such a, a, a great word. I know some of us maybe don't look at it as that great of a word, but it is. And when I think of the word purity, I think of holiness. And we wanna keep ourselves holy and set apart. And obviously the way the world dates, it's not good. It doesn't lead to a lot of great things. And so we wanna be able as Christians to date differently. And when our friends watch the way that we date, they're like, wow, there's something different about the way they're doing this whole relationship because I want our dating relationship to be holy because if we claim that we love God and God, one of the main attributes of who he is is he is holy and holiness adorns his throne room, it's who he is. And so then we become Christians, we are called holy. God declares us holy. And then we live daily to match what God has declared us. And when we publicly profess, hey, we're Christians, then people are watching us to see how a Christian lives. Do they submit to the word of God and what it really says? Are they living pure and set apart lives? And if the way we date is not pure, then we are profaning God's holy name and we're bringing disgrace upon God's holy name. We're destroying our witness, but more importantly, we're making his name look bad. And we have got to be people of conviction and live lives that exalt his 
holiness and purity, and especially in the context of our dating relationships. And if you're with a guy who cannot be self-controlled or if you're with a girl who cannot be self-controlled and be a man or woman of conviction in the dating relationship, then you don't need to be together because the whole point is edifying each other and spurring one another on to holy living. And that's gonna last you through your marriage because we still continually have to spur each other on to holy living and set an example, bring God's name glory. And so then the, the next part is just observing them. The next verses, verses 24 and 25, man, when you hang out with people, sometimes you can obviously see their sin and you're like, wow, you've got issues. But then there's other times that people are really good at hiding their sin. And we've talked to different couples and people have been able to hide really deep, dark sin issues all through dating, all through their early years of marriage, and then it's eventually exposed to the light and the, the hurt that that brings and the destruction that brings, but God can bring healing to even those darkest times. Nothing is beyond the grace and the mercy and the redemption of Jesus Christ. But really, that's why you don't wanna be in a hurry. You really wanna take the time and really see what, what fractures these people have in their sin life. What, what is gonna only escalate once you get married? Because Chad always says, you're only becoming more of who you are today. And so whatever sin issues you have today, marriage is gonna amplify that. But I love how the reverse is true as well. How good, the good deeds of people are obvious, but there's a sneaky side to that because we always gotta make sure their motives behind those good deeds are pure. Because some people, they could be rock stars serving in the church. They look like they got it all going on when it comes to the Christian faith, but then their whole motives are to win people's approval. And like, that ain't gonna fly in a marriage. Eventually, something's gonna crash and burn in that. And so not only their good deeds, but their motives behind those good deeds. And then the people who are serving quietly in the background um, is a beautiful thing too. So really observe them see the negative sides, see the positive sides, and, um, and learn from those. And I, and I think some of this can even be done, you know, before you're dating, and it definitely needs to be done during and while you're dating. That, that one of the main purposes of dating is for observation and for edification. And so you're trying to observe, like, is this person who they claim to be? Are they consistent? And when they don't get it right, what happens then? So, like, for, for Chelsea and I, like, there was... Um, when it came to purity, I had a season of repentance in my in, in my purity life, and in Chelsea, that was that was a an issue that you know she had other sin issues that she was working with, but we were both aware of those things, and we weren't coming together dating trying to fix one another. We had separately pursued the Lord and had gotten in seasons of repentance. And we'll talk about that in just a second. And then when we met each other, it's like, hey, man, if the enemy's going to take me out, here's how he's going to do it. Just want you to be aware of those things. But also, this is how I'm fighting for purity. This is, these are some of the, the fault lines in my character that I'm aware of, and I want to make those known to you. And so if you observe something in me you know, that, you know, that, that's consistent with what I've shared, then I'm aware that I'm working on that. And so it's not about perfection. It's about progress, and it's not about you finding that unicorn out there that doesn't exist, but it is about you being aware and being slow um, during the observation process. What, what are you looking for, though? Like, give us a few things. What are you looking for in regard to, um, you know, when you're observing, are you looking for the perfect man? Was I the perfect man? Yes. Thank you. Totally. Then we got married. <laughs> right. And uh, that, that all changed. Um, Jesus is the only perfect man. 
But the more we die to ourselves and let the Spirit fill us, the more we become Christ-like. That's right. But we will never reach perfection here on earth, sadly. Give, give, I wish. give us some help. What are we yeah. looking for? And so, but the, the important thing to do is really look like what Chad was saying is don't expect a perfect person because I'm not a perfect person. And I can't put standards on someone else that I don't even meet. But have high expectations. Don't lower them too low. Uh, but, but understand that, man, when they do mess up, is there a spirit of brokenness over their sin? And is there repentance, which just means like to change your mind. And so let's say that I was being really selfish and God revealed that to me. And so repentance says I was being selfish. God, I acknowledge my selfishness to you. And I repent of that. And I turn and pursue you and pursue selflessness. And, and that is repentance. And so is the person that you're dating, do they live a life of repentance and really seem broken over their sin? Because people can be sorry for their sin, but they're really not broken over the sin and there's not gonna be life change until they understand that they have transgressed a holy righteous God and seen the result of their sin in their, their lives. And then also servanthood is a great thing to be uh, observing for um, because you really want a servant leader and a servant hearted person. I mean, Jesus came to serve and not be served. And especially in a marriage, when you live together, do you wanna be with someone who wants to serve you or to be served? But if we can try to outserve each other, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? It's gonna be a great marriage, but as soon as selfishness comes in, it ruins it all. So you wanna marry someone or date someone first who is servant hearted. Yeah, so in review, here's what you're looking for. You're looking for progress, not perfection. So again, are they aware of their fault lines and are they making progress? Because we're all a work in progress. None of us are perfect. And you're also looking for a repentant heart. And so when things are brought up to this person, are they coachable is another way of saying that. Are they, are they, are they wanting to get better or are they like, yeah, I'm an angry person. You got to deal with it. Or yeah, I, I, I look at porn and you know, I struggle with that and you're just gonna have to help me with that struggle. And it's like, no, 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 we want to be repentant. We want to change. And then the third thing is, are, is there a sense of servanthood? Is there a sense of servanthood? So you're looking to observe those things because again, dating is for observation and for edification and the greatest test is time. And so what you want to see is that, man, are, the, are they dealing with these fault lines in their character? Because marriage becomes a magnifier of the fault lines that we all have in our character. Marriage is not medicine that's going to fix you. And so if you think that if I get married, then I'll be content, that's a lie. If you think I'll, I'll, when I get married, I won't worry so much, that's a lie. If you think when I get married, I won't lust so much, that's a lie. Marriage just magnifies what already is in your life. And if you have fault lines in your character that you're unwilling to deal with, they're gonna become fractures in your character in marriage. And it's really, really important that you make observations about these things. The Bible says elsewhere, things like in Proverbs 31, 30, that charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is greatly praised. And, and so like what the scripture is trying to say is like, hey, she may be a 10, bro, or whatever your scale is, and she may be charming or he may be so winsome. And if that's all you're attracted to, listen, those are great things. Take care of yourself and, and be, be a charming person. That's great. But there's something deeper that you need to be observing. Do they, do they fear the Lord? Do they love God? And these are the types of things that you're looking for. So you wanna have the right selection, you wanna make the right observation. And, um, and when it comes to observation, there's really like three practices that we wanna share tonight uh, that you should participate in so that you can put yourselves in different environments. So here's three ways to make good observations. What are they? First one, date one another. Go on a date, it's okay to date, all right? Yes. 
don't, you're not proposing. As long it, as you're pure and holy on those dates. Yeah, like don't, like don't Netflix and chill on the date, all right? No, you know, don't right. get it twisted. Eat some popcorn and get some coffee or something like that, all right? Like go on a date. So I think sometimes, it, some of y'all have grown up in spaces like this where it's like, oh, like I can't go on a date if I'm not sure he's the one. It's like, chill out, man, chill out, calm down. If he, if he asks you out and, and, I mean, say yes, it's okay. You know, I mean, be wise, but don't, don't try to get to the altar too quick, okay? Um, and, and when you date, it's okay to date. I think sometimes we'll be like, I don't know if God wants, I don't know, you know. And, and again, if it's, if it's pure and you're trying to observe, go on a date. Have fun. Enjoy yourselves. Ask Put being a stick questions. in the mud. So here's a fun idea. You right can, we did this a couple of months ago. You uh, blindfold one of you at a park where Whoa, there's not no, very- Oh, that's a different date. Just at, a park, at a park, sorry. <laughs> well, I didn't know where she was going. Wow, sorry. Where there aren't very many yeah. trees. Yeah, okay. In a field, big field. You're, and you you're have clothes. water balloons. You're wearing clothes. And you Let's have, start there. And not a white t-shirt yes. because you have water balloons. And so you play Marco. This, this is a fun date. So you play Marco Polo. One person's blindfolded, you got the water balloons and you try to get the other person play Marco Polo. It's fun, so go do that. I mean, acrostics, Marco Polo, water balloons. You got all sorts of great stuff. And then ask intentional questions along the way. But also while you're dating this, this person, you need to look and see, it's like, man, is this person treating our waiter or waitress really nice? Are they tipping them? Are they opening the door for me? Are they being a gentleman? Are they paying? Are they tipping? Are they, are they speaking kindly and highly of people? Do they complain a lot? And then how's the girl dressing? Is she dressing modestly? Is she carrying herself in a, in a modest woman-like, lady-like way? Because if we, we respect ourselves and we, we act like a lady, then we're gonna be treated like a lady. And the reverse is true as well. And so how does this girl carry herself? How does she talk about other people? Gossiping the whole time, whatever. There's so many things to do, but go on a date and be aware of um, observing them on the date. And basic things like, like does he wear deodorant? Like if if he's not wearing deodorant and maybe a little bit of cologne on the date, like, come on, bro. You should be putting your best foot forward, man. True, if they don't put their best foot forward on the date. Yes, it's only gonna get worse, get I promise worse. you, all right? <laughs> and, and so like you, you need to be looking at those things and then don't settle. Don't, don't lower your standards, lengthen your patience. And, and when they're dating, this should, be, this should be like, you know, like almost like a job interview. You wouldn't show up with, without brushing your teeth and, and without shaving and, and wearing something stupid and stinking on the high heavens on a job interview and expect to land the, the big job, all right? And if he shows up on the date that way, busting the horn and saying, hey, you ready to roll? You know, and like, no, we're done with that. Don't even go on the date, okay? Right. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry, yes. I, I'm, I'm back. I'm that, back. That was All good. Right. You're back. Oh, yeah. Second way, serve together. And uh, this is such an awesome way to observe someone. How do they serve? How do they treat other people? Chad and I, we served in our student ministry when we were dating. We taught Sunday school and we had Bible studies and we went on mission trips. And it was just a great time to really see how does he treat other people and how does he teach the word of God and live it out? It was awesome. So serve together and then date in community. So important to not just start dating and then retreat and not hang out with anyone else. That you're you're my accountability partner. Yeah. 
Yeah, You're don't, my community. don't be each other's accountability partner. <laughs> Guys need a guy for accountability partner and girls need a girl to keep them accountable. Amen. Or else it goes really bad, really yeah, fast. I just want to make out with you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> just got to confess that. We should pray. Yeah. <laughs> we did not do that for the record. <laughs> Um, but date in community and have those people around you, those girls who are gonna ask you those intentional questions and guys, those guys who are gonna ask you those intentional questions and ask them for their opinion. Hey, what do you think about so-and-so? What are you observing that maybe I'm blinded to? Ask your parents for their feedback. Ask your um, maybe extended family for their feedback. I don't know what your family dynamics are, but get people involved in your relationship so that if there's blind spots that you're unaware of, they can be revealed and then you can figure out, okay, is, is this worth me considering and taking? And yeah, so to, I think that's, those, are, those are really practical things. So you, if you're gonna observe that person, again, go on dates with them, that's totally fine. Uh, serve with them and then and double date and go play volleyball together. And if he like loses his school and starts flipping out on you know, your group of friends, it's like, well, he may do that to me someday. You know, like you're just looking for things like that in the context of community. Why does all this matter? I think some of y'all are maybe taking it like a, man, this is, this is old fashioned, you know? Why don't I just swipe right? Why don't I just update my Bumble, you know, whatever? Why don't I just, what, why don't I just do what the re- everyone else is doing? Because if you want what everyone else is getting, then keep doing what everyone else is doing, all right? That we're, we're not crushing it in the dating world. And all of this matters because again, the most important relationship that you will have outside of your relationship with God is the person that you marry. The person that you marry will make or break you. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about because of the decision that your parents made. And this is of utmost importance. And so I would just beg you to try something different. Try God's way. Try to, try to observe some things and make some wise choices ahead of time. So what we see is that, that really dating, there's kind of two categories. You, you know, if you need a date to go to a wedding, that's kind of an informal dating. And the, that you know, was one of our there. first dates. That was, we went to that wedding and we yeah. danced at that wedding. We did though. dance at that wedding. Yeah. That was previous to the other one. Whatever. All right, so. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and, and so there's kind of that like, hey, I need a date to the gala or to the wedding or whatever it is. But then there's like, man, I'm dating this person because we're aiming towards marriage. And when you're aiming towards marriage, um, the goal of marriage is oneness. You know, like the Bible says in Genesis 2, 24, for that reason, a man shall leave his mother and father, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That, that marriage is about oneness. It's about unity. And so when you're dating somebody, you're trying to determine, is this the person that I want to be one with? Is this the person that I want to be united with? And so point number three, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. You want to determine unity. You want to determine unity, selection, observation, and unity. Now, um, it's not uniformity, all right? So, so guys, if you're like into CrossFit and hunting, don't go look for the girl that's into CrossFit and hunting, all right, and think that's the perfect one for you. She doesn't have to reflect every, every one of your interests to be your soulmate, all right? There should be differences. Chelsea and I are very different. She's a woman. I'm a man, you know? I have to shave my back. She doesn't, you know? I mean, things like that. These are basic things. They're different, okay? Sorry, that was... That was TMI. That was too much. She has curly hair. I don't, much. you know. Except and for when you have a mullet. Then if I grow my mullet curly. out, it is curly. Yes. That's right. Yeah, so. It's pretty. We have pictures. So anyway, um, there are differences about her and I, and, and that's, 
that keeps things spicy. <laughs> it brings conflict at times too. But anyway, but we're united on a few really, really important things. And because we determined unity on a few really, really important things, we said, man, th- this is a woman that I can give my life to. She said, this is a man I can give my life to. And so let me give you five things that you really need to determine whether or not you have unity. Uh, the first thing is, the- is theologically. You need to say, I mean, are we united theologically? And what I mean by this is um, when it comes to like your relationship with this person, do y'all enjoy the same worship style? Do y'all enjoy the same type of Bible study and things like that? One of my greatest blessings in life is that I get to spiritually pursue Chelsea, that we get to live on mission together, that, that it's not a fight every Sunday in our household about what church we're going to. I think there's marriages that can work when you, know, you have somebody that goes to this type of church and this type of church, but man, for me, I wanna be lockstep with the love of my life pursuing the kingdom of God together. I don't want to be like, you know, her having to tolerate the type of church that I prefer and me having to tolerate the type of church she prefers and then our kids just trying to pick sides. I want to make sure that we have unity theologically. Another thing that you want to ask is, are we united vocationally? When it comes to our calling in life and what we see ourselves doing with the, the career of our life, it, are we on the same page? Um, you know, so if you have somebody that's like, man, I've always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And then you're in a relationship with somebody that's like, man, I've always wanted to have multiple houses and do all these things. And I expect, you know, you to work uh, in a job. Then, then maybe we're not aligned vocationally. I've always wanted to be a missionary overseas. And then this person says, I've always wanted to make an impact in local communities. Then we're not aligned vocationally. And you want to be careful that you don't put marriage above the mission that God's called you on. And oftentimes we'll settle for marriage, we'll compromise the mission that God's called us to, and we'll settle for marriage because we don't want to be alone. And that's a bad reason to be married. That God has a mission for every one of you, and he wants you to pursue his kingdom, and you want to make sure that that person that you're being united with wants to build God's kingdom with you. What what are some other areas we need to be united in? Socially, you've got to enjoy each other and have fun with one another. I have fun with you. Thank you. Have fun with you too. We like when we love to go play disc golf with each other, play card games with each other. Blindfold in the park. Blindfold in park. Card games is like my most competitive sport. It's a sport in our Glover household. But uh, but we we like to have fun. And our relationship, our dating relationship was built upon just enjoying one another. And we can still enjoy each other today, which is huge. And I hope in another 30 years, we're still enjoying each other. And that takes effort each and every day to work through conflict so you can enjoy each other and have fun. Yeah. So, so marry someone who's fun. Yes, marry somebody you enjoy. I, you know, I think that we, we, um, we overemphasize sex and I'm going somewhere with this. So if you're like above average in your sex life and marriage, um, I think it's like 0.5% of time that you spend actually having sex. And so what happens is that we'll get so like focused on or, you know, is this person hot or whatever words we use? And we'll think, man, once I get married, man, our sex life is going to be awesome. And, uh, and if all you're looking forward to in marriage with that person is sex, uh, what are you going to do the, the 99% of the other time? Like you, you want to marry somebody, you want to marry your friend. Chelsea's my best friend. And you want to marry somebody that you enjoy being around. The, the intimacy part, that's amazing, but that's not everything. And you want to make sure that you, that you enjoy this person just as much as you enjoy them physically. You want to enjoy them socially. So that's a really important thing that you're seeking. Like, 
do I like this person more than what I see? You know what I'm saying? So that's an important one. What else? And that doesn't mean you'll have to do everything together. So Chad, he will go hunt and do his hunting thing. Yeah, you don't like to gut the deer. I'll go do like crafty yeah. things. And so we, you don't have to do everything together. But, um, and he just led into like, physically, you do need to be attracted to the person. And you have to find that they, that they are handsome and the, the guy has to find that the girl is, is beautiful. And it's like you have to be attracted to them and they need to be attracted to you. But what happens in our culture when they, you know, if, if in order for us to be physically unified, then we kind of like a car, we gotta try it before we buy it. But you don't need to do that because I think you're gonna figure out how the whole sex thing works once you get married. And so pursue purity while you're dating and then you have the whole rest of your, se- your, your sex life, your marriage life to figure out the whole sex thing. And so stay pure during your dating relationship and you'll be physically, God made parts to work. And so you'll figure that out in yes. marriage. Um, Praise God. And th- so and here's what I would say physically, I, I think sometimes like in the church, um, like when you'll hear like your grandma's trying to set you up with somebody and, um, and you're like, I'm, you know, I'm just not attracted to that person and you'll, but they're just a really good person. And sometimes there'll be this pressure. Like, does God want me to marry somebody I don't find attractive and that's godly. And like somehow like that's carrying my cross. And like, if, if you're looking at your bride come down the aisle and you're having to close your eyes and go, she's got good character. She's got good character. She's got good character. That's a problem, bro. <laughs> You, you should be like, like fired up for the kickoff, man. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so like, it's not more godly to date somebody that you're not physically attracted to. Now, physical attraction is not everything, but you want to, you want to date somebody that you're attracted to and that is attracted to you. And so that you can in, enjoy one another. That's, that's what we mean by being united physically predominantly. What's the last one? So the last one, family. And, and so you need to think about what kind, have a vision, we have to be unified on what is our family unit gonna look like? And if it's kind of like, maybe if he wants to have 10 kids and I wanna have three kids, and but he's like, we gotta have the 10 kids. And that can cause, we gotta be unified. And it, Chad and I, when we got married, it's not like we had decided we're gonna have three little girls. Yeah, don't have that conversation on the second date. Uh, How many wait, kids do you maybe want? Maybe wait like, till yeah. later. Yeah, but we said roughly in the bar yeah. park, two to four. Right. What, you know, that kind of number. And then, do you want to be a stay-at-home mom? Do you want to work? Do you want to do maybe homeschool? Because some families are fired up about public school, private school, homeschool, kind of what's your vision and things can change. But you really need to discuss these things. And do we have unity on what we want to do as a family and how we want to, you know, operate in that way? And so again, what we're trying to do is we're trying to lead you through some wisdom literature from the word of God that says, hey, here's what you need to be doing as you're dating. You need to be asking questions and asking yourself, are we united on this front? And if there's points of tension and we're not united on this front, we need to address those things. And if they're unresolved, then maybe you need to break up. And again, the reason why we're saying this and the reason why like this is so important is because the most important relationship that you have outside of your relationship with God is your spouse. Now, maybe you're sitting here thinking like, okay, I'm just never gonna get married. Like, this is impossible. You know, everything y'all have laid out, yeah, it's easy for y'all to say that because you're already married, you know, that sort of thing. And it just can seem like, man, I don't even know if I wanna get married. Sometimes you can hear talks like this, you're like, man, marriage sounds like it's hard work. And it is hard work, but let me just say this because I don't know if we've said this enough. Marriage is amazing, all right? I mean, it is one of the greatest gifts that you can experience this side of eternity. Like, and the fact that I have a wife is just an incredible gift that God has given me. Uh, the fact that Chelsea has a husband is 
Uh, you know, I think, yeah. It's amazing. Oh, that was your it part. Is a, yeah. It is amazing. Yeah, it's right it's here. Amazing. Yeah, oh, it's right, right here. here. Anyway, so. Um, <laughs> it is one of the, the companionship is, is awesome. That's it, the companionship. <laughs> Anyway, all right, I so. Call, I call him a hunk of a man. That's right. Um, those big and so muscles. marriage is amazing. So and uh, what we see in God's word in Proverbs 18, 22, we see the word of God say this clearly, that you had this older, wiser person looking to younger adults saying, hey, let me, let me tell you about marriage. And here's what he says. He says, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. And so if you have a hesitancy about marriage because of your upbringing or your experience and somehow you're, you're hesitant, even though you've selected a great person, you're, you're observing the right things, you feel like you have unity in the right areas, but you're like, man, I don't know, I don't know, I'm getting cold feet. I, I would just say this, man, marry her, marry him. It's a good thing. And, it, and you who find a spouse, you find favor from God. Now be wise, but pursue that. It's a good thing. Point number four, and finally, if you're taking notes, you write this down, that you, you may need to take the leap. You need to take the leap. I think sometimes we can get bogged down in dating in our culture, and we've selected the right person, we've observed the right things, we have unity in the right areas, it's headed in the right direction. I would say, if that's the case, ask the question, bro. Go buy a ring, get on a knee, and quit mystifying the whole proposal thing, and just get it done, all right? And ask her to be your wife. Quit playing the dating, when we play a dating game, perpetually everyone loses and so when you've selected the right person you've observed the right things and you're united in the right areas take the leap every relationship is risky we don't want to be reckless but you're gonna you're gonna have to take a risk now what are some things practically that we offer as a church that could help you one of the things that we offer is a thing called merge merge is a premarital counseling course um, but let me just propose this idea what if you took merge before you ever even got engaged. One of the things that we encourage people to do is pre-engagement counseling. It's the same material, but to go through this material before you get engaged, because in our culture, it's easier to get a divorce than it is to call off an engagement. You can go to Party Central and you can buy happy divorce party balloons. If you call off an engagement, everyone hates you, all right? And so we want to we want to do the work that we need to do in order to make sure when we take that leap, man, it's a good decision. And so this is a really helpful resource that our church offers that you could um, made, be made available to you. So if you're seriously dating somebody here tonight, and you're thinking, man, this may be the person I want to I want to marry, but I'm still not sure. Man, sign up for that. It'd be one of the best gifts you can give your relationship. And the other thing is is that you may have to take the leap and break up. If you're like, man, I, I thought I selected the right person, but now that I've observed and asked the unifying questions, I don't know if this is the right person. And if you're not with the right person, one of the most unloving things that you can do is still pretend like you're with the right person. And breakups are no fun. The book of Proverbs says, a hope deferred makes the heart sick. And when you hope that that relationship was going to be the guy that you settled down with, the girl or whatever, and then it gets, it, it gets broken, you're like, oh, I've got to start over again. And then you've got to re-up your dating. I mean, all this stuff, you know, and you're like, oh, I thought I, but it's better to do the hard thing now than to suffer a divorce later. It's better to take the leap and to break up if you need to. And so some of you, you may be at a spot where you need to take the leap and propose and start heading towards marriage. And others of you, you may need to take the leap and break up.
Well, Chelsea, what would be some last minute or last kind of last closing remarks that you would have and last minute things that you would share with us? Yeah, so I'm a mama of three little girls. And so when I look out at all of you ladies tonight, I have a, a mama's heart for you. And as you listen to this whole dating talk, some are like, man, I would rather be somewhere else and have to hear this dating talk and make me wish that I was dating. Or you feel like, man, I'm never gonna find a guy. Maybe you just went through a breakup and you feel crushed, you feel hurt, or maybe you've just heard hurtful words over the past month, words that you're replaying to yourself in your mind, saying, I'm not good enough, I'm ugly, no one's ever gonna want to, to be with me. And so we feed ourselves these lies and, instead of listening to the truth. Or, uh, or we're like, man, I'm never gonna be worthy of some great godly guy because of some way that I've messed up in the past. And so wherever you are tonight, I just want you to understand that you are a beautiful child of God and that he loves you so much. I'm gonna cry my little mama's heart for you. But, but you, if you've got to find your identity in who God says that you are and your worth, so many times we look inside ourselves, we're like, man, well, I'm gonna do this to make myself more beautiful. I'm gonna do this to get more in shape so that I can look better. Or I'm gonna fine tune these, whatever in our life so that someone will like me and I can feel finally accepted but you already have a King of Kings and Lord of Lords who loves you for you. And you don't need to do all these extra things, but when you find your worth in Him, there's nothing in me that is good. There's nothing in us that makes us worthy of a great godly guy, but, but it's Christ in us. When we surrender our lives to Him and the Spirit indwells us, it's Christ in us that makes us worthy because God is worthy of it all. And He fills us and He loves you dearly and you're a beautiful child of the King. So don't settle for anything less than the guy that God has for, for you, ladies. And know that, that you are a treasure to the King of Kings and He, he crossed eternity to die for you. And he, when we talk about a man's man, that would be our King of Kings and Lord of Lord Jesus Christ. And um, so don't settle. And wherever you are tonight, single, dating, married, you are right where God wants you to be. And that when we surrender to what God has right before us today, then it leads to beautiful joy and fulfillment. And um, it, ju it just leads to peace in our lives. And so be thankful and joyful for whatever season God has you in. We were um, meeting earlier with a guy. I was at Mission Taco in the city, and um, he was just, he's in a tough place. Maybe some of you find yourself in a place where you're like, man, I feel forgotten. I don't know what, I don't know, what is life? You're kind of there. And, um, and one of my buddies that was with me, he shared a, a similar kind of like, man, like God loves you. He, he has a plan for your life. Don't settle. And, and I just looked at this guy and I said, hey, how can you really believe that that's true and it's not just good vibes it's not just positive thinking you know what 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 proves what this guy's telling you and what and, and tonight what proves what Chelsea is speaking what proves that to be true and what proves it to be true is that there was a man historically named Jesus and he claimed to be the son of God he died on a Roman cross and three days later, history tells us that he rose from the grave. And so everything that he claimed about forgiveness and worth and love and life and liberty, he validated those claims when he rose from the grave. 
And tonight, we've said this over and over, when it comes to marriage, man, that is the most important relationship outside of your relationship with God. And the reason why a paradigm exists ultimately is that we want you to have your life changed by Jesus Christ. And oftentimes we can get so caught up in who am I going to date? Who am I going to settle down with? Who am I going to marry? What's next in life? Those are important questions. But the bigger question, the most important thing is, where are you at with God? Have you received the truths that Chelsea's speaking about by putting your faith in what Jesus has done for you? Like if you were to die tonight, are you sure that you would spend forever with God? Like on a scale of one to 10, one being I'm not sure, 10 being I'm confident that I would spend forever with God, what number would you give yourself? And if you're not a 10, if you're not absolutely certain, do you want to be absolutely certain? And the Bible tells us there's a way that you can be absolutely sure that when all is said and done, you're gonna spend forever with the one that knit you together in your mother's womb. The Bible just simply tells us that we have to A, admit that we're a sinner, B, believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, and C, confess him as the Lord of our life. And when we come to that place where we're ready to admit that we need Jesus Christ and we believe that he's our only hope, he moves in and he settles the most important thing in our lives. And so we wanna give us an opportunity just to respond tonight. We're gonna sing a song that's just gonna direct our attention back to Jesus and back to what he's done for us. And uh, then I'm gonna come back up and give us some closing remarks. And hopefully tonight's been helpful for one of the most important endeavors that you're ever gonna navigate in your life. And I pray that God would allow you to take the principles that you've heard tonight and they would impact the, the space and the, the season of life that you're in in a really, really profound way. Chelsea, would you pray for us? Dear Heavenly Father, God, you are holy and you're glorious and you're worthy of all glory and honor and power. God, I pray that we would surrender our lives to you, God, whether we are already a Christian, but we've been trying to control things in our own way or whether we're, we've never surrendered our lives over to you. May tonight be the, the first night that, that we walk from darkness into light for some people, God. And so may salvation reign in this place. May people have a fresh sense of who you are and what you've called them to do. May they live holy lives. May they date differently. May they have wisdom in who to date so they can select um, godly people and observe them. And I pray that you would um, just continue to raise up a mighty army to advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.